This is an experiment. I'm sitting at home at my desk and it's raining outside. If you listen closely, you might hear the rain fall. Also, my neighbor is listening to music. You might hear some of that as well occasionally. And despite all this, I decided to give myself permission to speak to you in this way anyway. I originally had planned this when I started the podcast. I thought I would publish the conversations I've been having with people about how they relate to themselves, but also just small solo podcast episodes in which I share some of my thoughts. But then for some reason that never happened. And recently I decided to do it anyway, because I realized that what was holding me back was just for the circumstances to be perfect. And I realize now how foolish that is. And today I want to talk about something that I wrote about in one of my emails. The difference between story-based desire and something that we could call erotic aliveness. And I think it's a really important subject. And for me, it was the beginning of a very important shift in how I orient towards my desires. I think I'll have to start from the beginning again, uh, because people listening to this might not have read my previous newsletter. So, yeah, I'll give a short overview. This insight occurred to me when I was in Berlin earlier this year, and I was diving deep into well, basically my practice of relating to myself in a very specific context that poses specific challenges to me, namely the erotic or the sensual or even the sexual. I attended a lot of temple nights in Berlin. And for those who don't know, a temple night is kind of, well, this is my definition, a temple night is a facilitated space in which people are allowed to explore consent, their desires, their boundaries, their self-expression, and their communication. It's kind of a place where you can truly test your relationship with yourself in terms of how healthy that dynamic is. People will make requests of you, and then you'll have to give your no or your yes, depending. And then you can make requests from people, so you need to tune into what's real for you, what you desire, what you want to express, and then do that, find that courage, and then receive the yes or the no of another. And I'm not even sure what's scarier or what was scarier for me in the beginning, 
Receiving the no is scary because it's a rejection. Receiving the yes is scary because then you might actually get what you want. Anyway, those temple nights were crucial for me to practice this next level of my relating to self. And I even realized in, in some of those spaces that there's an important metaphor there for, for life itself. And that is something like life is short and it somehow always ends before you think it will. So why waste time doing things that maybe you don't really want or out of habit? Why not go for the things that you actually desire? And so in one of those events, in one of those temples, I saw a woman that I found very attractive. And during that night, I tried to find her, but I couldn't. So I did not have the chance to interact with her. I just know that she was there and she was there in the beginning. She was there at the end, but during the temple, I was unable to find her. And that's okay. That's all part of it. But then in another temple, a couple of months later, as soon as I entered the space, I saw that she was there. And something inside of me was excited because I thought, yes, now, today, I will make this happen. I will make a connection happen. And I'm curious to explore what is possible between us. And so the temple night usually starts with, well, after an introduction, a whole bunch of exercises to help people practice consent and boundaries and giving yeses and noes and feeling into what their desires could be, meeting the people in the space also. And so during that exercise part, I made sure that I was engaging with that woman that I found so attractive. And I managed to catch her, let's say, for an exercise that was all about expressing our desires to each other. And yeah, that felt great. I was very proud of myself and I was excited for what was about to unfold. And hopefully then something we could take into the freer portion of the temple where you get to do whatever you want, basically. So we sat down, this woman and I, and we started expressing our desires to each other. And then I got really confused because as we sat and talked and expressed ourselves, I felt absolutely nothing. It was like her words were bouncing off me. They didn't reach my insides. They didn't resonate with my heart or my belly or anything. And it seemed that my words also didn't really impact her much. So it was a very sterile kind of interaction that I didn't enjoy. And when it ended, I was very confused and disappointed and sad, but mostly confused because I thought I was really attracted to this person. And then what happened is that I, I practiced relating to self in the sense that I let go of those emotions. I just allowed those emotions to pass through me. 
I allowed myself to not cling to that disappointment, but to remain present in the space and to just continue with the temple, because that is also what the temple is about. And then in one of the other exercises, I was paired up with another woman, and I had not noticed this woman before. She was just another person who was there. And I was wondering if perhaps she arrived late, because I didn't notice her in the beginning of the temple. But okay, it didn't matter. Um, we sat down and we connected in an exercise. And immediately as we started the exercise, I felt something happening in my body. We weren't exchanging words. We weren't even touching. It was an exercise that didn't involve any touch, more like movements around the body. And her movements around my body just lit up something in me. There was an internal fire that started to burn. And it was a beautiful experience. And I felt these waves of, I don't know, ripples of energy, some kind. I don't know how to name that precisely, but there was something there that felt very alive suddenly. And I was so surprised. Because to be honest, I, I didn't find her attractive. Or at least so I thought, because then I started thinking, wait, what does that even mean to find someone attractive? This thing that's happening in me right now is perhaps part of an attraction? I'm, I'm not sure anymore. When the exercise was then reversed and I had to make movements around her, her body equally responded to my gestures and movements. I don't know what was happening inside of her, but it was very clear from the way she moved that she was experiencing a lot of pleasure and excitement from what we were doing. So there was a mutual resonance of sorts. And I got really curious about that. And I went through a few other exercises with other people, but then while doing that, I decided to not pursue the woman I had been so attracted to in the beginning, but instead to engage with this woman who I hadn't seen before, with whom I felt this really interesting aliveness inside of my body. So as soon as the exercises ended, I walked towards her and I said something like, hey, would you like to sit down with me and explore what's possible between us? And she smiled and she said, yes. And then we went to a corner of the space and sat down. And what unfolded there was one of the most beautiful, intense and magical experiences I've ever had in a temple night. And so that started me thinking. After that temple, I was like, wait, so what exactly happened? What can I learn from this? What does this mean? And then I came to the conclusion that what actually happened with the first woman, this desire that I had felt or thought I felt for this attractive woman was something that I projected upon her. It was something like a story-based desire. And the story was that she was beautiful and queenly and high status and respected 
And because of those ideas or stories about her, I thought I was attracted to her. With the second woman, there was no such thing. I had no story about this person. She was just there. And what I felt, what I know now would call this erotic aliveness, arose in the moment of engagement. It was not something that I thought. It was not something that I projected values upon. It was just something that happened to me. So now I believe that there are, well, at least these two types of desires. Story-based desire and something that I would call erotic aliveness. And by the way, when I say erotic, I don't mean this as like sexual, right? I have felt since also erotic aliveness with activities, experiences, objects. I think it's about a, a certain creative life force that flows and that feels good in the body. And the more I thought about this, the more it made sense. I think now that a story-based desire is actually not about the person or the thing or the experience at all. It's purely a projection of a value that I have and that I project on them or on it. It's almost like story-based desire is a tool to achieve that value that I have and desire by using something or someone else. A good example of this, I think, is something like desiring a luxury car. I think for many people, the desire for a luxury car is not about the car itself, about the design or the beautiful engineering. I think it's about the idea that the car will give them status or power or other people will look up to them if they have this car. And those are values that we can hold that we then project onto an object, in this case, a car. And I think the same thing happens with people. When I see a beautiful woman and I project onto her this idea that if a beautiful woman engages with me and likes me, that will give me status or that will make me feel desired. Maybe I have this value of wanting to feel desired by someone who others see as desirable. But that means that it's not about the person at all. It's not about this woman specifically. I use this woman then as a tool to get the status or the validation. Erotic aliveness, on the other hand, enhances the person or the thing itself. It makes it more important. And perhaps it even becomes part of another story that is bigger than the person or the thing itself, something like it gets embedded and enmeshed in the tapestry of my myth-making. You know, this idea that my life is about something meaningful and that whatever I'm experiencing in that moment is part of giving it meaning. And this can happen with objects or experiences. I think a good example for me is listening to music on a very good audio system. 
for me, that has nothing to do with the status of owning an expensive pair of loudspeakers. It's all about the direct experience of having that wonderful sound hit my ears and the joy I experience when I listen to music like that. Likewise, when it's with a person, I think erotic aliveness is something that happens as a dance between people. An experience that makes you feel alive from the inside or joyful for that experience itself. And I think that in that moment, I cultivate presence. I am with that other person, engaged in whatever it is that creates this aliveness. And I think now also that this aliveness that I experience is closely related to intimacy. I think intimacy and aliveness, erotic aliveness, give rise to each other. And both can only exist in a certain authenticity, if I show myself, if I dare to be vulnerable. And so since I've had these thoughts, I've been trying to figure out if the desires that I feel are story-based desires or something like an authentic aliveness that I want to explore. Because I've also been reading a lot about mimetic desire, this idea that people usually desire what others desire, which in my mind maps pretty well on this idea of story-based desire. And I think I found a pretty good heuristic of understanding for myself when a desire is authentic and aliveness or when it, when it is just a story about some other value that I hold. And that's a question that I ask myself. And that question is very simple. The question is, if nobody would ever know about this, would I still want it? In the case of an aliveness, or call it an authentic desire, if you wish, I don't care if other people know about it. I don't care if other people know that I have this amazing interaction with someone on a dance floor during an ecstatic dance. That experience in itself is the value. I don't care if I go to a restaurant and I eat some of the best food I've had in months and I'm moved to tears by this food. I don't care if nobody knows about that. That doesn't mean it can't be beautiful to share with someone, right? That's a different thing. But the thing in itself has value. If on the other hand, the value would only come from the fact that other people know, then it's probably a story-based desire. And that is how I navigate my desires now. And so far, I like it. I'm curious what you think. How do you experience your desires? Let me know. 
I would love to turn this into some kind of a two-way street. If you have any questions about this, feel free to email me at joachim at relatingtoself.com. That's J-O-A-C-H-I-M at relatingtoself.com. And I will answer your questions. Enjoy the day.